Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Okay, is this thing on? Yes. It is. Yes, it is. It's so brilliant that the default setting is mute when you are given co-host capabilities on this. I cannot wait for Elon Musk to, to not buy this. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, it, it's it's really pretty pretty weird. Like, it, I hopped in as a as a muting by myself. Like, I I guess that's good. Uh, that kind of makes sense. But um, it's actually smart because it know it knows that like nobody wants to hear us. So it, it it's just giving us the default. Like, just it's basically indulging without indulging us without you know making anybody else suffer it is it is so uh ben guess what we 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 have a promo and i'm gonna read this promo it's from i am so so glad you're just getting this out of the way now because i would have forgotten about it i made sure i didn't forget about it uh this podcast is sponsored by our friends at charlie hustle clothing co charlie hustle that's c-h-a-r-l-i-e Hustle, H-U-S-T-L-E, is on the road for eight weeks for their college road show. And this week, they'll be in Iowa City. It says right here in Iowa City. Neither of us are in Iowa City. Um, Mm -mm. But that's right, Hawkeye fans. Charlie Hustle will be making noise until the walls and rafters ring all week, culminating in a massive campus capsule launching at the end of the week, Friday, September 2nd. Follow along with the road show through their social channels at Charlie Hustle Co. C H A R L I E H U S T L E C O and go shop the drop on Friday at charliehustle.com. We've seen the collection and we are sure you're going to love these new designs. Let's show Charlie Hustle what the Hawkeye Pride is all about. Ben, did you uh, get your t shirt? I actually set it aside to make sure I wear it during this. Okay. But it, it, it this was so confusing. I, f- I forgot to put it on, <laughs> and luckily, luckily, they Twitter hasn't figured out how to get us on video for this yet. So I could be. I should have said I'm wearing it, and none of you would be the wiser. Well, I am not wearing mine, but I, I was afraid to wear it and then go out and then have some random Hawkeye fan be like, "Oh, you're wearing a Charlie Hustle shirt. Where can I get that?" And and then on the little placard that they gave us, it said not to share it until nine two. So I wanted to mm. not get caught with that here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, th- I, th- I think Arkansas is actually a part of uh, their, their tailgate road show. Uh, but that that's irrelevant to 
many of our listeners right now. So uh, Charlie Hustle Co., good stuff. Uh, let, let's move on, Ben. This has been a long, a long yeah, uh, read. Please, please. <laughs> so where do you want to start? I, I'm going to be honest. I just want to talk about Nebraska for a little bit. Considering <laughs> oh, of course. I, I've got, I've got uh, one of my leftover Guinnesses uh, from uh, this past weekend and last week, really. Um, they could have used that there, from what I understand. Well, or maybe they used too many of them. Uh, mm. If, uh, yeah. Um, but the the thing about the Nebraska context, and we're going to get to the Iowa stuff, but this is what we do. The Nebraska thing cracked me up because immediately Nebraska goes out, builds a lead, like they have built leads for the last four years of Scott Frost's tenure, and they're acting like this is new news. No, they've always done it. Just just let's wait until the fourth quarter until we crown them. Mm. And that, that's really what cracked me up more than anything. Brett McMurphy's taking his victory lap. It's like, man, did you not watch any Nebraska games last year? Not last year. Or, I mean, not just last year. The year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. <clears throat> I, and we, it's funny because we did sort of talk about Nebraska ad nauseum on the last pod mm-hmm. because it was the only game coming up, and it, it's just sort of how it goes. I remember, I can't remember if it was Hloss or Leistakow said, "Who do you, who are Iowa fans rooting for <laughs> between Nebraska and Northwestern?" And even though Northwestern has infinitely giving Iowa has given Iowa so many more fits than Nebraska has, and even though they're Iowa has a deeper history with Northwestern, and there is much more animosity between the two coaches. I I, I believe Pat Fitzgerald is the only coach who Kirk Ferentz truly hates. <laughs> And Iowa fans still, and and probably and perhaps vice versa, and it was still like ninety eight percent chose Northwestern over Nebraska. The Schadenfreude I can't imagine is any more oozing. And I guess what are you? I want to ask you what are you most surprised by? Are you most surprised by a Scott Frost coaching decision costing <laughs> Nebraska the game? Or you're more surprised by Scott Frost blaming the game, the law, the outcome of the game on anybody but himself. I mean, obviously the the in-game decision was perplexing, but I think if we look at like actual what what played out on the field, to me by far the most surprising thing was Northwestern's offensive line just working them. The, the defensive linemen of, of Nebraska, they got no push. Helinski had all day to throw. Granted, like, they kept things very simple for the kid. And, you know, he had a field day. Northwestern racked up 500 yards. To, to me, that was the most surprising thing. Like, Scott Frost making a questionable decision, North, Nebraska jumping out to a lead, Northwestern coming back. It all kind of had, like, the general – storyline that we have seen but I I swear it felt like Nebraska was kind of getting better in the trenches over the course of last year and to have all of that just fall flat was mind-boggling I am most that was surprising uh, just Nebraska sort of getting manhandled on the defensive line um 
or Nebraska, excuse me. I was most surprised by how competent Casey Thompson looked. Not even competent. He looked good, I, I think. And I was haranguing, like, Nebraska's, I think, picked uh, above Iowa um, to finish in the Big t- to, to win the Big Ten West and saying that made sense in years past because Adrian Martinez. But it seems like the offense wouldn't skip a beat with Thompson in there. And how many years now has, like, Scott Frost had his guy at quarterback? He's had his guy at quarterback every year he's been at Nebraska, and he can't do shit with it. It is just – like, can you imagine what, what would Iowa do? if it had an Adrian Martinez or a Casey Thompson put on, on its team, any of these past years. I mean, the, the playmaking ability that those guys have, it would elevate Iowa's offense within the constraints of Iowa's offense. That was always kind of the case for Beathard, right? Was like, he was athletic enough. He had enough arm strength um, and he was just kind of a gamer but he painted outside the lines or colored outside the lines, which I'm finding out is very hard to color inside the lines as a parent of a two-year-old. I suck at coloring. But anyways, um, I think it would elevate Iowa's offense because the, the bad parts of Adrian Martinez and Casey Thompson would be bludgeoned out of them. And you would kind of be left with enough of the good parts that like, oh, this is, this is interesting. So I don't think it would necessarily – maybe Iowa would have gone to another conference championship game if you look at it over the course of the last four years. But I do think, like, Nathan Stanley was about as good as you could have asked for from an Iowa quarterback in years two, four, two through four that he had. I mean, I've, I've thought about this a lot, but, like, if Stanley doesn't play a fifth game in 20 – 16? No, if the four-game rule was in effect in 2016, he would have been Iowa's quarterback in 2020 and 2021. And, I mean, that's probably the best version of, of Iowa would be a super, super experienced Nathan Stanley. The I, I'm afraid – I I wish you would have taken the obvious answer and said those guys would have rolled the bench behind anybody because <laughs> – or, 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 move, or moved to defensive back. Um, it's funny you you say like blo- Iowa would have bludgeoned the worst parts out of their game. At the same time, too, I, I'm afraid Iowa would have bludgeoned the be- some of the best parts of their game, which is yeah. creativity and op- improvisation. That I haven't, I guess I'm not. I haven't seen enough. Of, I've seen approximately Casey Thompson play approximately one game, but I mean, I guess even Martinez had to improvise out of necessity um, <laughs> when he was back there. So I, I guess it's just. You know, crazy to me that Scott Frost is able to get these guys and do absolutely nothing with them. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, it really makes you wonder what the hell I was doing on the recruiting trail because, as much as we love, and I guess, I guess this is really specific to one position because we've talked about they they've done a really great job. Obviously, they just put in the best recruiting class of all time, right? Um, I mean, buoyed yeah. by buoyed by the best recruit of Iowa at all time in Wakpa, but it's just pretty crazy how they can go and get some some guys who who we can't believe are committing to Iowa, and then you look at the quarterback position, and I guess you can't blame. Okay, you want to come play for this offense? Like, uh, no, I'd rather go play for TD Tech if I'm a quarterback. 
I actually think that is a fantastic transition, Ben, into talking about the Iowa topic du jour, which right now is um, a wide receiver room that is hanging on by a thread. And I don't know if you wanted to kind of go through this as part of one of your games or kind of topics that that you had lined up, or if you just kind of wanted to get straight into it. But um, to me, the news that Keegan Johnson sounds like at best a 50-50 proposition to to play this weekend. Um, Nico Regani officially out a couple of weeks. Um, the, the only scholarship receiver who's already caught a pass is Arlen Bruce, by my count. And then we're, we're talking Alec Wick and um, Jack Johnson. That was a, a, a new name on the depth chart. I was expecting Caleb Wetgen, I think, has, had been the guy who had made a lot of um, progress, at least as kind of a, a returner. Um, so, yeah, Ben, I guess I, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I, I did create sort of a game, um, <clears throat> more of a question and answer, I suppose. And there, I think this is the very first podcast to ever do the uh, do this um, heading, and it's called Buy or Sell. <laughs> and I did have, so we can just start. Um, I just wrote these questions down as as I was reading France's press conference, and then the, the ensuing coverage and some other Twitter clips of. Uh, reporters sticking phones in players' faces following the presser. Um, so I will start with that topic, and then after that we can sort of uh, – I, I didn't write these down in any particular order, but we'll start with the wide receiver room. So my first buy or sell is the receiving situation is dire. And I wrote dire in all caps and underlined it, which means I think it's dire. But I'll let you answer that as you see fit. Yeah, I'm I'm buying that the receiver that the wide receiver room is dire. But I here here's also a uh, a take, Ben. I'm buying the wide receivers. Oh Buy my low, God. man. Buy <laughs> low. Uh, I'm not. I don't under see. I I'm cynical. I, I don't think we're gonna <laughs> see. I don't think we're gonna see Keegan Johnson at all on Saturday. And so that leaves, like you said, one guy. One receiver on the roster who's caught a pass because Regani's out with, and I kind of think they're underplaying Regani's injury too. I, yeah. On Twitter, they were saying Farron said he's out for a couple of weeks. Um, somebody on Twitter said he fractured his coccyx, and I had to look that up, and that's your spine. Oh, it's so, the tailbone. Yeah. Oh. So I don't, and I don't know. If, I mean, that's just some Twitter egg said that, but I can't imagine a wide receiver who takes a lot of hits. Uh, on, from around in the spinal region can afford to have that really hamper the way he plays. So I, this just reminds me of, I think you pulled out like the 2016 receiver room that included like Germanic Smith and I, I can't even name anybody else. I think there was a Vandenberg on there. There was yeah. Riley McCarron on there. Yeah. Like, I think this is worse than that. I really do. I agree that I think it's worse, if only because if we're taking it as like going into game one for each season, Vandenberg, the the connection he had with CJB was like nothing else, right? So like you had someone who was probably going to get 60 to 75 catches um, as a true bell, bell cow wide receiver, 
now it didn't play out that way, right? Like the way the 2016 season, I would rather have these guys dinged up now, presumably able to play in the future. I would rather have this group. But if we look at going into game one, we're in tough shape. I think so. And to that end, I think I asked you that this last week, but I can't remember. And, and Kirk was actually asked this during the presser. If we'll see the portal line up at X or, you know, basically line yeah. up at a receiver position at all. And I think it's kind of guaranteed that, yeah. we, w- that he, we will see that. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, it's an all hands deck situation. Um, he was also asked about like Charlie Jones and Charlie Jones leaving. And I, I did some research ahead of this and really it's just, it is such a hard sell for, bringing wide receivers into the fold when Iowa already has, I would three, but even four established receivers. If we look at it from, all right, Iowa left last season with four, they lost Jones as the fourth, but the, the, that fifth receiver over the last 12 seasons, so rarely gets 10 plus catches. Tyrone Tracy, 15 last year, was the most of any number five receiver. And that's only because he was basically the number one receiver going into this season. So like it it is so hard to be like, hey, come to Iowa, play wide receiver. Because when you come to Iowa to play wide receiver, you're not coming to Iowa to catch the ball. You're coming to Iowa to block. Uh, Another stat, Purdue's number four receiver had 40 catches last year. Iowa's leading receiver, Nico Regani, had 26. So like that the the value statement to be an Iowa football wide receiver is so hard, especially if you don't have like connections to the program or um, you know just love your teammates, right? But like to me, I was in the position that that they're going to be in when they have three established receivers, two of them get injured, and you're stuck with Iowa Western Community College walk-ons, which have helped Iowa in the past. I want to be clear. Iowa's that that's been a pretty good pipeline for Iowa football, but um, to me, it's just it's tough sledding. I want to. I agree with everything you said, but also the the coaching staff has ammunition to push back on that idea too. I I think Brandon Smith got cut today, uh, which is tough. But Amir yeah. Amir Smith Marset is more or less going to be the number three receiver for the Vikings this year. And so he's going to be behind two guys who have been who are who have been all pro in Thielen and Adam Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson opening that I think Amir Smith Marset if he has a good season then I, you know that totally wipes away or it doesn't totally wipe that away but it can help that stigma I think what was it he's the first receiver to catch a ball yep. since uh, what's his face was it Tim Dwight I think it was Tim Dwight. No, not Tim Dwight. Uh, it wasn't Kyle oh, Casper. Casper. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, I think that – I think – I don't know if the Iowa necessarily needs to, to change their recruiting, but I definitely think that, like, a guy like Amir Smith-Marset is kind of the the guy to go get because, like, the, the thing about him that Kirk always said – even when he was like kind of going through the early pseudo doghouse phases was Amir Smith-Marset is a football guy. 
So if Iowa can just find super fast football guys, that should be, to me, that's kind of the the way that you target the receivers. And, and I am kind of high on Bostic. I don't think he's got that ISM level speed, but I think he's probably the fastest straight line receiver on this team. Keegan Johnson may be faster in pads, but considering he had the abdominal issue, he's got you know a hamstring, it sounds like he's nursing. Those impact your speed, right? So t- to me, targeting really fast guys who are football players, I don't know. Um, because you're right, like Amir Smith-Marset is, hey, you can have success at Iowa. We can set you up to be in the NFL. Um, he, he is that template that Iowa hasn't had throughout all of Kirk's tenure, really, uh, unless you go back to like 2002. And I think that has been going through the, that season and it's been, uh, you know, kind of wild just because they're like three or four Amir Smith-Marsets. Exaggeration. This is making me sad. Let's talk about something that will surely make listeners happier. By herself, Spencer Petrus gives Iowa the best chance to win this season at quarterback. I'll buy it. Like, I, 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 like to me, I think it's a function of um, all that's being done to try and make him better. Like, I, I think if you look through kind of all the off-season changes that have happened in terms of breeding in and Bud Meyer and and a pseudo quarterback competition, like the Kirk's rhetoric today basically confirmed my thought that there was never a quarterback competition and saying that it was set in stone Spencer Petras. So like he's got everyone behind him, it would seem. And, you know, they've made changes presumably to, to help bring out his best skills. So I would say bye. Um, But I also don't know what the ceiling is on the offense period. (laughs) <laughs> right so that's i did write down by but after we were t- it's funny because i like i said I, that was the first question i wrote down and i had the receiver question wrote like five questions after that but after talking to the receiving situation i'm thinking to myself under it's like driving a car the miles per hour is the speed limit or the, the speed limit is the speed limit under ideal conditions and i think spencer petrus gives iowa the best chance to win under ideal conditions but with this, let's say, shaky receiving situation, maybe Alex Padilla gives Iowa the best chance to win because he just has another dimension that Petrus has, doesn't, that Petrus lacks, rather, in, uh, in mobility. But again, even when we did see Padilla scramble last year, I wasn't that impressed. So it's just kind of trying to sell ourselves on something that I think we want, you know, just sort of telling ourselves something we want to hear. But again, I, 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 deep down, I do think this quarterback situation, quarterback competition is even more closed, closed off than last year. I do think we only see Padilla if Petrus really gets hurt or struggles even more than he did last year. Um, but I, I think we're going to, the screams for Padilla might be even louder this year simply because the uh, the P- Petrus has even fewer weapons this year than last year. Yeah, I mean, that's the scary thing, right? Like, I, I don't even know if it matters who the quarterback necessarily is just because of what we're seeing out of, out of the wide receiver depth. Like, I think that 
one of these walk-ons is really going to have to look like a guy um, because otherwise I just think it'll be too easy to defend Iowa's receivers. You know, th- those passes aren't available quickly. Teams can get to the quarterback, and then we, we see a lot of what happened last year. That's that's what does have me concerned when we talk about wide receiver depth and, and why health is just – to me, health is just the number one thing out of that position room because once you have three or four guys – you're not going to be able to recruit and develop there like you have at other positions. Like, especially like you look at tight end Luke Lachey, if, if he had been a wide receiver with, you know, athletic guy, um, pretty good skills, you know, big and tall, but if he was playing receiver and he wasn't seeing the field, he's probably gone. But at Iowa tight ends, Hey, you can, learn how to block because he did play receiver in high school, uh, learn how to block, develop, learn the system, trust that in, you know, your third season, you can really get some, some time on the field and propel yourself into an NFL career. Um, long way of saying, like, I, I just don't know how hard to defend Iowa's passing game will be, which to me was as, that's what hurt like 2016 as much as possible, right? Is that, oh, you can just sit on these short routes, press them, and get after the runners, uh, the running backs. And ugh. we'll see. I- I'm I'm not all that optimistic about the passing game, but I do have to say, like, I'm curious to see what Petrus looks like as a rollout passer. Um, just because he has lost weight, I think he- he's lost 8 to 10 pounds, does he look – I don't think it necessarily affects his fluidity, but does he look a little quicker? I don't know. That Maybe maybe that's just me grasping at straws. Yeah, I think you kind of – you kind of on my support there, buddy. I don't I don't think him losing eight pounds is really going <laughs> to make him that much more fleet of foot. Um, all right, uh, let's put that to bed. Next one is buy or sell – South Dakota State's greatest strength, which is, I think, their quarterback position off of very light research I've done. Mark Gronowski was Missouri Valley Football Conference first team player in 2020, the only year. He, st- he, w- he missed all of last season with an injury. <clears throat> 577 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground, 1,500 yards, 15-3 touchdown to interception ratio. So their greatest strength going up against unquestionably Iowa's greatest strength in their defensive secondary does that tip the scales so in Iowa's favor that you are comfortable with saying Iowa wins this game going away? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I just love this defense so much, right, that mm-hmm. Kirk also sees the same thing. Phil sees the same thing. Brian sees the same thing. So this is why I going away – I would say maybe a version of like the Indiana game where they went away and then they stayed away. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, I think that that's probably uh, the best case for me is like, okay, Iowa builds a 28 point lead in the first half and just sits on it. But with the added um, element of they look like 
an FBS team playing an FCS team in the second half and maybe extended a little bit. Um, but if Iowa just leans 100% on defense and tries to win a game in the teens, to me that that scares me for the prospects of this season at large, just because I, I don't think Iowa can play 12 games like that and come out with 10 wins like they did last year. Yeah, I have to agree, and I just have to be optimistic that uh, the fact that I haven't done more research on South Dakota State just leaves me willfully, blissfully ignorant on the way I was going to handle this game, I suppose. But I don't know. I'm just really afraid of getting North Dakota State again by South Dakota State. And, like, I can't remember any one performance out of NDSU in that 26K. Individual performance out of NDSU is a problem in that game. I remember Iowa just stinking out loud all, all day long. I went back through the play-by-play on this thing. and Oh, my God, why? Because I was just trying to remember what, what it looked like. And to okay. me, the, the thing that always sets these games apart is – defensive scores and that was the first score that North Dakota State had they had a pick six now Iowa came right back and you know got a 14-7 lead and then did the classic Kirk Ferentz turtling but to in addition to North Dakota State's lines looking really really good um but to me if Iowa avoids something really dumb like that they should be fine. It, it, it's a game they sh- they should win comfortably. Like I mean, what what t- to me comfortably is something above twenty points, just because they are they're so deep up front too. Like I, I think that's the other thing that like Iowa's defensive line should they should just be able to manhandle the South Dakota State offensive line. Am I getting? I, I see a little smirk. Am I getting to another one of your buyer cells? No, actually, <laughs> I wasn't going to explain. You may, you reminded me of something that I haven't thought about in a very long time, and it's when I played high school football. We would refer, we would say we shit all over them when, or we would get shit on. Usually, we got shat on. We were a very bad team, but we thought of on a bus ride home after I think the first game of the year, like the only team we did really shit on, and we said that in order to declare that you shit on another team, you had to win by 28 or more. And mm. there should be, there should be a rule that if you do lose a game by 28 or more, the other team does get to take a shit on you. So, <laughs> and, so <laughs> and, and I haven't, I haven't thought about that. And maybe I haven't many years since uh, I played high school football. So that, I don't know why that just came up to mind, but I don't really see that situation happening in this game, unfortunately. And I, I think I will get into that uh, as we go on with these by ourselves. But and I, and I actually do have that going on in the bottom, so we can get back to that. Um, well, I guess sort of my. I'll just I'll, I'll skip over and I'll say buy or sell. Iowa can still be a nine to ten win team and look like ass on Saturday in, in a win or a loss. In a loss, no, I I, I don't see because okay. that that would mean Iowa has to go nine and two the rest of the way. Um, I 
he, the only way I can see it is if Iowa is if Saturday's the absolute worst game that Iowa plays and they're on an upward tra- trajectory from then. I don't think that Iowa can play the same way that they did. And, and he, let, let me reframe it. Like Iowa went six and two in non one possession games last year. So let's just say, hey, I was going to go six and two again in or or an equivalent, you know, win percentage in non one possession games. I don't think they can expect to win one hundred percent of one possession games again, especially when you kind of look at the one possession games Iowa did win. Um, to me, that's why I think seeing Iowa play well on. Saturday has so much bearing on how I think the whole season will go because it's more a mindset thing than anything. And to me, it starts kind of with the offensive line, the running backs. Are they able to be like, if Iowa leaves with over five yards per carry, I will feel very good about it because presumably five yards per carry would mean I was scoring 30 points uh, and and winning by a comfortable margin. So to me, I don't I don't think that they can they can play bad and still get to to nine or ten, or ten wins. That, that's just kind of how I see it. How about so you? I, um, I think they still can because they. I think they can easily pull us the game out of their ass and go on to run the table, or they can game out of their ass and not win a game rest of the year or they can get shit on they i don't think they will <laughs> and then you know i i no outcome would surprise me that no outcome for the remainder of the season and no outcome of the game no i i think this is a perfect correlation does not mean causation sort of situation where whatever happens this game has no bearing on the remainder of the season i was inspired to ask this question when you by your tweet from this morning that said, if I yeah. was going to be a nine to 10 win team, you think they'll be there. But if they don't look really good on Saturday, we're in for a long year. And then you yeah. went and, then you went and said that of the last, God, this is taking so forever to look. Oh, uh, so then you, I got it. You said the only big 10 team of 18 to beat an FCS opponent by less than 21 points over the last 10 years and then win 10 or more games is Minnesota in 2019. But I will say you leave out 2009 Iowa in that equation. And the the easiest counter is this isn't that 2009 Iowa team. <laughs> but, like, why, I guess, why, why is that? Why, why do you leave them out? Here is widely the doubt because I think that looking because I this version of this Iowa football team isn't the 2009 version the this is the 2010 version of the 2009 team so like if Iowa had gone out and squeaked by so sick yeah yeah and, and squeaked by because like th- this is where this is a hot take I I'm gonna I think in 10 years we're going to be like why didn't we appreciate that 2021 team more because they had kind of the hallmarks of the the stuff that we liked about the 2009 team in terms of just like, oh, they just kind of ride or die. But everyone's like, oh, 
it, maybe it's just, you know, how things change in 10, 12 years. But to me, that's kind of my point is like, hey, if if we're talking about a total reset of players and like all and, you know, I was returning six starters instead of 16 or 17 starters, I'm comfortable you know, eating crow about the 2009 team and, you know, squeaking out a game here. But to me, if you look at the 2010 team, they went out and this kind of runs counter to it. They went out and they beat the hell out of Eastern Illinois. And, but you still look through eight games, they looked like kind of a world beater. Like they, they beat a really good Michigan state team. They beat Michigan team. They had that hell of a game against, um, Wisconsin, they had the you know 50-50 game against Arizona out west that Kirk Ferentz will never play again, other than you know now that the Big Ten Conference is going to make him play him. So t- to me, that this is a two thousand. This isn't the two thousand nine team. It's the twenty ten team. So for them to get to nine ten wins, they're going to have to look like a nine ten win team. You can't just I just I don't believe that we can see the predictions come true that kind of I saw Eckel and um, Bach put theirs out. Dockerman has had his out. He Dockerman has Iowa averaging one less point per game in the regular season and still coming out 10 and 2. I just don't think that can happen. Like I, maybe it can happen, but I, I do not think Iowa can play the exact same way and have the exact same results with a four, mainly because they they'd be going for for an O again in, in single possession games. Yeah, I think some some of the reporters have long COVID or something like that because there is the, the logic from and I I'm guilty of it too. But oh yeah, it's so easy to forget something you wrote two weeks ago or two months ago, and then write something that totally and completely contradicts it. It's just, I don't know, it's human nature, but it is pretty pretty weird to see. Yeah, I like, I, it can happen, but uh, I, I just don't see Of it. course it can happen, but it's not going to. Um, yeah, like, here's what I think. I think there's a better chance that Iowa's offense improves markedly and they have a... Worse outcome, yeah. Worse record than them doing the exact same thing as last year. I don't think that happens either, but I think that's more plausible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing yeah. that happens is things stay the same, and but the, the results get worse. I so. think that's – I kind of see that happening. <clears throat> okay. Um, next one I have written down here is Kirk – buy or sell. Kirk Ferentz referencing Iowa's quarterback situation in 1981 <laughs> when <laughs> – which is his first year at (laughs) Iowa uh, as the offensive line coach. The question was in reference to Jim Harbaugh's, which I kind of think is a revolutionary way to handle a quarterback situation, which is giving one quarterback one start, another quarterback a second start, and then letting deciding who's going to start the third game. I think that's way better than letting one quarterback start one half and the other starting the other half, right? Yeah, I mean, he referenced the Bible and splitting the baby. Like, I mean, that, that Jim Harbaugh, man, 
wild. I, I'm always going to buy just Kirk Ferentz pulling out some 30, 40 year old reference. Like that's just incredible. Especially like, does he only remember things that happened in the eighties? He doesn't even remember like what happened in 2008. Like, is that to me, that's the, that's the funny piece of this. It is so funny. I was, it, it's funny you say that. Cause I was bringing up like one of my friends here is in commercial real estate. And I was like, he, I was asking who he played golf with last weekend, and he couldn't remember. He couldn't remember who he spent four hours on a Saturday with. But then I asked him the address of my office building in downtown Chicago, and he knew it. It's just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Incredible. What, was um, it you that he played golf with uh, that he forgot? With? I was in the foursome behind him. So uh, I was. Okay. And I knew who he had played golf with. But he couldn't, like, he was trying to bring up, yeah, the guy who I rode in the car with. I was like, you went to college with him. Like, not only did you go to college with him, you spent four hours on a Saturday in a golf cart with him. And you can't remember who you played. Whatever. You know, not my pig, not my farm. Just, it, it's funny how people remember and forget things like that. And I, I do think it's a bit Kirk does with us. He's just trying to kill time and get out of there. But... And it's like people are people do bitch about reporters for every thing about pushing back. It's like, how do you push back on that? How do you push back on some old guy who's making eighteen times as much money as you are, just waxing on about a time when when there wasn't internet and no cell phones, and you you pass the ball eight times a game and won 12, 12 games a year that way? Yeah, I mean, like. I just think that we're setting up for just such a weird season. Like that's ultimately what I think is just going to happen. Like we we're heading down just a totally weird season and Kirk just cause you know, like what happens if they do play the exact same way and have the exact same results? He's just going to be up there just feeling himself the, the whole time because he has turned back the clock on college football in Kinnick Stadium. Come ye who want to play in 2022. No, you're playing in 1981. I bring this up every year, but I'll never in my entire life forget the title of Spencer Hall's espionation piece on Iowa's 2015 season, which was the case for not changing a damn thing. And, like, that's it. You could just change do that and then show game film, make that your headline and then just show game film all, all, all day long of the yeah, well, offense because things break your way. It's just a law of averages. And I mean, to Kirk's credit, because he's been there so long that the sample size, just the, the, the way, the, the way the stats work, he's going to broken clock is right. Twice a day. Every squirrel finds it's not every mouse knows how to find cheese. And Kirk Ferentz knows how to get ten, bank 10 wins and all of our money. I know. I mean, I think that the thing that was always kind of most interesting about Kirk Ferentz within the landscape of the Big Ten was like, at least the Big Ten West, was all the coaching turnover that existed and how he just by being – that was the case to stay the same, right? It's just like, hey, if I trust my structure, I trust – that we're going to go out there and be better prepared and make less mistakes than the other team because everyone else is chasing the laser pointer. And 
to, to me, like, it, it's been – this is where it gets interesting because Brett Bielema's around. He's going to stay around. P.J. Fleck's been around for however long. Chris has his number. Uh, Brom has his number. It's a matter of Fitzgerald has his number, but I was, he's got the numbers of some, these other Western teams that um, it's just interesting. I, I just think we're in for a super interesting season. I, as I've said, I think on the podcast, but definitely to you, I am so much more excited for like the discussion around Iowa football more than kind of Iowa football, as much as that makes sense. Like it, it's going to be wild. That's like the baseball nerds who are more excited. They don't watch any of the games. They just get the box scores and feed them into a monitor or into a computer and make money off of that. So They get the Shohei Otani tweets about how mm-hmm. he did everything incredible, but the Angels still lost the game. It's like, ah, oh, baseball. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I've got three more buys or sells on here. <sighs> Buy or sell. Iowa's captains. Spencer Petras, Sam Laporta, Riley Moss, and Kayvon Merriweather. Oh, Spencer Petras was one of them? I thought yep. it was... Oh, yeah, bye. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they're voted by the team. I'm not going to go against what the, what the team says at this time. Like, Are they I, I, are, are they all voted? I thought two are voted, two are chosen. Oh. By coaches. I could be wrong. The quarterback has to be a, a captain. Like, especially okay. Kirk comes out and says... Written in stone. You, just, you gotta. Like I said, I think everyone's behind him. I I do want to talk about Riley Moss though because the the kid's getting unhinged and I love it. Like oh, the picture of him in the wife theater day. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Like I was on this two months ago. The kid was making a transformation into Billy from Stranger Things, and it's here. He's got the the greasy, longer hair. Not full mullet. We'll give him a pass. But, like, as I I tweeted, like, I just think that since 2009, 2010, Kirk has done so much to, like, tamp down individual personalities that now that personalities are back. I think Kayvon Merriweather is the best, the most exciting example because I, I don't think that, you know, we see someone elevated in the way that he's been on social media, you know, five years ago. But to me, all of like the personality from the 2009-2010 team, it's in Riley Moss right now. Like, I mean, he, he is just a wild child. <clears throat> I guess the reason I ask this question is, is there not one name glaring that's missing from that list to you? Oh, is Jack Campbell on, on it? Yeah, Jack Campbell's not a captain. Oh, well, yeah, then that that is a, a weird one. But I guess Merriweather and, and Moss, those are two fair ones okay i just think it's very very strange that potentially first round linebacker pick isn't your team cap and linebacker is captain of the defense quarterback of the defense rather i just think it's very strange i mean i didn't jack campbell even say like i think he is so fine taking a back seat like I'm sure he is. I'm sure anybody would be fine taking it. I don't think he has. I know so little about Jack Campbell. I'm sure he has such a small ego. And I guess I do have a question I want to ask about Campbell. And maybe I think we could talk about this for 20 minutes. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm going to ask it here. I think I, I think of guys like James Morris and Josie Jewell, who were media darlings. Didn't get stopped talking about. Wouldn't they were 
everybody's favorite. And Jack Campbell is unquestionably better than both of them. Yeah. And there has been zilch about him. Josie Jewell had back-to-back, he had an ESPN and a Sports Illustrated cover stories back-to-back weeks. And Campbell, I haven't seen anything, even from local media, about him. Football guy. I just, I just think he, he is so soft-spoken. But, but that's the story, right? How, how can this hard-hitting, just incredible football player, leader of the defense be as soft-spoken as he is and maybe that's the story because to me I, I think you're right like um may, maybe just all the lights go to to moss and merriweather and and campbell's totally fine with that um because... I mean, it makes sense because morris was really the only player of consequence period on that team on either side yeah. of the ball and josie jewel was just i guess a leader of a team that went 12 and 0 yeah, and he had that business too. I remember that being kind of a thing in his junior and senior season was like how he was, you know, building out a business case for drones, like watching. I thought it was like farming equipment. Farming, yeah, but it was yeah. drone farming, something, something okay. like that. But I mean, Jewel, he was on the same team as Desmond King too, so I guess, I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we'll see. I mean, obviously, this could all change. Campbell could be, you know, I'm watching the uh, the Manti Teo stuff, and it's like, why can't Campbell put up a, put a season like that together and get Heisman votes? I mean, it's because he doesn't play for Notre Dame, but you know, I don't see why Campbell just can't go out and become one of the all time greats. Yeah, oh, I, I definitely think he's one of the all-time greats. T- to me, it, the the thing that I always had a soft spot for Angerer as, like, the best linebacker of my Iowa fandom, and then he came out and said that, no, j- you guys are idiots if you think I'm better than Josie Jewell. So I'm like, fine, I'll, I won't argue with the guy saying That's just who that someone is, else is better yeah. than him. Yeah. Um, but to me, Campbell, just his size, his speed's incredible. Um I think what what will be interesting about him is, like, last year he had two touchdowns. Like, to to me, like, if Iowa's defense can turn into truly, like, one of the two or three best defenses in the country, they're always hovering around that range. But, like, to to me, that'll be – that's when he'll probably get his, uh, his shine. Is when you know Iowa's maybe five and zero going or four and zero going in the Michigan game. They've held opponents to less than ten points each game. Behind Jack Campbell being a menace, like that would that'll be when when it picks up if it does. <clears throat> Next buy or sell, and we I did, I know we talked about this in the last one, but I want to get you on the record again. Buy or sell a two kicker system: Aaron Blom and Drew Stevens. Kirk said they're both going to be playing on Saturday. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> so why, do, I why not take the, no, I want no part take, of the two Why not take system. the Jim Harbaugh approach here and give one guy this game and another guy the next oh, game? Oh, yeah. I feel like for kicker, that makes a little bit more sense even than quarterback. That would be how to do it. I, 
I, I just think that like the thing about kickers is it is all between the ears. Um, so I would do as little to mess with that as possible. I don't know about that. I think kickers, why you think they're less, they're more fragile mentally than like a goalie. Fragile's the wrong word, but I think that they, it might be the right word. Yeah, I don't know what I, I just think that if, <laughs> like, I, I think that if, I just think if you don't, it, it's, for a place like Iowa, having two kickers means you have zero kickers. That's ultimately where I Well, no, because we talked about, because there was that one year where one guy took all the kicks 40 oh. and in, and another guy, Mike Meyer, took all the long kicks, right? Well, I mean, if we're talking so, so if that's the two kicker system, that makes okay. sense. Where you feel, where you feel great about Keith Duncan taking everything in inside of forty-five yards, Shudik handling kickoffs and long-distance ones. That makes sense. But like trying to be like, oh, this guy's better from the right hash. This guy's better from the left hash. Yada yada. yada. I, I think have the parameters for what you want each guy to kick and send him out there. And, and if it is, Hey, you get all duties this game. Aaron gets all duties next game. That makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, I get it. I don't think it's going to become a problem. I just think it's very strange. This last one though, I think is going to be a problem because I am very cynical. Buy or sell okay. the names Kirk throughout as his returners, which to catch you up are Cooper DeGene, Riley Moss, yeah. Arlen Bruce, Alec Wick, and the Williamses. What- oh, I like them. Oh, oh, is there a name that you, you think is really, really missing? No. I think the only name that belongs to be on that list is Alec Wick. Are you telling me? <laughs> oh. Are you telling okay. me you're going to let – no, your only capable receiver and Arlen Bruce return punts. Are you? If you're, you're right about that. If Arlen Bruce breaks his leg returning a punt on Saturday, I think it is the worst decision of Kirk Ferentz's coaching football career. Not even, not even up for debate. I think he should lose his job if he if Arlen Bruce hurts himself returning a punt on Saturday. You're, you're correct. That is the one name that should never be on any of these lists. I don't care if he's got the best short area quickness. I don't want him. Because what made Charlie Jones so great was. Was that he was a number four receiver. So if he got hurt, it didn't matter that much. Yeah. That, but also his willingness to return kicks that were really close. Because he was a number four receiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like seriously. And then beyond that, I know Desmond King returned punts, but, like, again, I don't want to see our All-American Golden Boy captain and Riley Moss returning anything. I don't want... I'm good with the Gene getting stuff. I'm okay with the Gene. I'm okay with the Gene getting stuff, but, again, he's a starter playing a very difficult position who I don't know who his backup... Who would his backup be? Wonkpa? It'd probably just be Jacobs. You, they probably, you just they go probably four, wouldn't three. Play, we probably will. We probably won't even have. We have to scrap that position until halfway through the year until we can teach somebody else how to play it. And yeah. then, I guess I'm okay with one of the two running backs doing kick returns because yeah. one kick returning is a little bit less dangerous than punt returning is right now. And two, it seems like we've got capable running backs behind them. I yeah, think knock you, on wood. Yeah, knock <laughs> on wood. I think you have. 
Alec Wick and other sheer-handed guys fair catch everything back there, and that's it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Do you think we return to Micah Hyde territory where it's 100% fair catch? Or, or... Uh, No, because I, I do think... God, that was such a weird... I remember I wrote a column arguing that Iowa should never attempt to field a punt ever again because it was just after the Wisconsin fake punt. <laughs> and like they and in the the argument was that they don't even return them, so you're wasting a guy back there when you can try and block it and rush eleven instead of ten or whatever. Oh, that's an oh, what a take! Yeah, that's an incredible take, Ben. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was my take. I, I, the, the, the problem is there is somebody on this roster who is probably a better returner than all these guys combined. And they're just uh, there just isn't enough time in a practice to find him, or he's more valuable elsewhere. So I, I just don't know why you don't give the number seven defensive back or another, or hell, even like one of the tight ends, or like just an opportunity to <laughs> just catch the ball. It's just oh. weird. Yeah. Okay. That's what I mean. Well, I mean, I, I remember. I think it was Woods was talking about this when. Um, like during media day or something, and he was like talking about how they whittle it down or whatever. And sometimes, you know, kids will come up to him and say, "Oh, I want to try punt returning," especially in years like this, like last year. I'm sure there was not this type of discussion, but they'll get back there. He'll throw a ball in the jugs machine, and like, it's just a different way to catch a football than, than it's any scary. other way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, I I don't know how there aren't more issues just like catching balls on kick returns and punt returns. I mean, it shows you how much practice goes into this because I wouldn't even know where to stand. Um, That's what I mean. There's just not enough hours in practice for, to really nail it down. So I've got to give it the guys who are getting practice reps and so they're warm and doing a similar football thing anyway. The, the name I'm surprised you didn't mention was Wonka here. That was the one that I thought was like, so I did have one last fire cell. Oh, okay. I, you know, we've already gone over our time, but I'll ask it anyway. It's not. Re- it's in regards to Wonkpa not returning. It's buy or sell. Wonkpa makes an impact this season, and I oh. left it as left it as open ended as that. Total buy. I mean, he's going to do something. I mean, I, I, don't I mean, know at the, what at it'll the very, be, but... at the very least, he's a Terry Roberts. I think that's yeah. the absolute. I think that's the floor for him, right? Version of that, like, special but at the team same superstar. time, at the same time, that's a really high floor because Terry Roberts single handedly won the Iowa State game in 2019, was yeah. it? Yeah, so and and tw- and 2022, the 2021 yeah. game, like, you go back and watch mm-hmm. him fielding those kicks in, in the 2021 one, and he was all over the place. Like, I'll say it was more Charlie Jones in 21, but Terry Roberts, oh, yeah. I mean, unquestionably in 2019, recovering that muffed punt yeah 100% so I don't know I mean did, did you have anything else Ben I feel like we, we pretty well covered it did we want to do a prediction or anything no uh, did you say you saw a line out for this game um yes I did I think it was it was either 14 and a half or 15 and a half maybe um let's see 
Let's go to our friends at DraftKings, Ben. Am I They're not our to... friends. They're not paying us. No. I think uh, they might be paying us. Um, oh, really? Ooh, I love DraftKings. DraftKings. <laughs> um, uh, terms and conditions apply. Lines may change. No, 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 those, no, are, no. those are the no. things that we're supposed to say. Um, okay, let's so let's say, while you're doing this, like, is 14 and a half, is that enough for you to take Iowa? Or too much for you to take Iowa, rather? The thing that was scaring me was that in the the Slack today, sharing like how Iowa is just like so weird with like they have a lower winning percentage when they're a double digit favorite than when they're an under three point favorite. It's incredible. Um, so that scared me. But the reason I am pro Iowa in this one is I I think I'm just. I'm buying into something I don't necessarily believe as the fact that like this team can get back to Indianapolis and to me where they would show that is with uh, a strong effort this week. They would look good. They would win comfortably in, in a way that's like, like I said, like they're up 35 to six in the fourth quarter with no risk of uh, the backdoor cover. Um, oh, doesn't look like they have a line out quite yet for um, the Iowa game. So, yeah, I think 14 and a half was the one that I saw. I just don't know how you don't take the points. I I don't know how you look at Iowa's past performance in first games or games against similar opponents and not hedge happiness is what I always say. Uh-oh. Well, I, I think my case is like, can South Dakota State get to 10 points? Because I think Iowa's almost mm. certainly getting to 24. Isn't that what I said last week? That is what you said, some, yeah. some version of that. I said if Iowa can score 11 points in every game, or in all the coin flip games, then they should be able to win, beat all everybody but Ohio State, yeah. 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 Um, so I think that's all we and had, Purdue, I guess. You, you, you really... Those are some good visor cells. I, I, I like that a lot. Did we? Did we want to? Since we're in this Twitter space, do we want to try and test out some more of this functionality ahead of uh, our first unhinged Twitter space post game next week or this not, week? Honestly, not really. I just one of the one buttons and it's a voice transformer, and I don't. I'm just too scared of like losing the recording. Um. Okay. Oh, that's fair, Ben. That's fair. like I, I. I'm scared. Right. I'm scared of what well, the scissors does. I really wish. Like, there was any type of inter- user interface on this. Yeah, it's just my fat... Fe- oh, gosh. I see yeah. what you're saying. Oh, okay. Uh, I see. Now I, I am so going maybe we should, we should, right, Maybe, sorry, maybe we should do, create two burner accounts and figure out what these icons mean and then try <laughs> give them a spin next time. Oh, my God, what have you done? Okay. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. All right. I I hit one of those buttons. Okay, yeah, so we know. My my goal, um <laughs> we are I am going to try and open up the Twitter space to I, I don't know, Ben, are you gonna be around for after the game? I think to, I will be. I think a... I think I will be. Yeah. Okay. Then we will we'll open this up um for post game reactions from the fans because you know, that's fun. 
that's fine. There's only so much talking we can do. I don't know if we want to do a call. Yeah, we can do a call-in show. Uh, Why not? It's easy enough to take away privileges. Okay, if, yeah. So, if I can cut some you who off, then yeah. I just got to get our Gary Dolphin voices out. Yeah. I think that's the that's the thing. Alrighty, so uh, for Ben Ross, for Harrison Starr, this is the Pants Party. Thanks, everyone, for joining on the Twitter space. And uh, go Hawks. Fuck State. South Dakota. Right. I almost said San Diego. <laughs>